It's April 26 and the third Sunday of the Easter season. And the, uh, the, the reading that we have for this week is the traditional reading for this, this Sunday, the third Easter Sunday, and it's the story of the two people walking to the village of Emmaus. I'm going to read the text from the message version because I think it just invites us to think about it a little differently than some of the other versions. So here's Luke 24, 13-32. That same day, two of them were walking to the village, Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them but they were not able to recognize who he was. He asked, What's this you're discussing so intently as you walk along? They just stood there, long-faced, like they had lost their best friend. Then one of them said, his name was Cleopas, he said, Are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what has happened during the last few days? He said, What has happened? They said, the things that happened to Jesus, the Nazarene. He was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic in work and word, blessed by both God and all the people. Then our high priests and leaders betrayed him, got him sentenced to death and crucified him. And we had our hopes that he was the one, the one about to deliver Israel and it's now the third day since it happened. But now some of our women have completely confused us. Early this morning, they were at the tomb and couldn't find his body. They came back with the story that they'd seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. <laughs> some of our friends went off to the tomb to check and found it empty, just as the women had said. But they didn't see Jesus. Then he said to them, Oh, so thick-headed, so slow-hearted. Why can't you simply trust all that the prophet said? Don't you see that these things had to happen? That the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory? Then he started at the beginning with the books of Moses and went on through the prophets, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to him. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed. He acted as if he was going on, but they pressed him, Stay, stay with us and have supper. It's nearly evening. The day is done. So he went in with them. And here's what happened. He sat down at the table with them, taking the bread. He blessed and broke it and gave it to them. At that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him. And then he disappeared. Back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road? As he opened the scriptures for us? For the word of God in scripture. For the word of God among us. For the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. One of the questions we often must ask 
of the scriptures is why is this story here and why is it here why is it here in this place and why is it here at all and we know almost nothing about this story we don't know where the village of Emmaus was uh, there's been all kinds of archaeological digs and no one's 100% sure we have no idea who Cleopas or Simon are we don't know who the other person is it's just this strange little story out in the seemingly the middle of nowhere and of course it takes place in the middle of nowhere we don't know how far they are from Emmaus we don't know anything here's what we do know we've got two people who seem to have been part of the followers of Jesus and they're walking away we don't know why but we do know that they've in a sense abandoned the place where it all happened it's as if they've given up we do know that they're full of doubt and disappointment they had great hopes for the future and for the present and they've all been dashed and we know that they've got an interpretation of the events that happened to them they've decided that the events they witnessed the arrest and execution clearly showed that their hopes were poorly founded and that the one that they hoped would save Israel isn't the one who's going to save Israel so these are the things we know for sure about the story but what if they're wrong and of course they are in this story what if their way of interpreting the events that have happened not that the events are different they're the same events but what if they've interpreted them wrong what if they've taken the wrong meaning and understanding from them and what happens when we see things in a different light so things that have happened to us many of them not good but what happens when we begin to see them differently? And you see this sometimes with people, particularly people who've had major illness. It's not that they wanted to have that illness. It's not that if they had a choice, they wouldn't have avoided it. But having come through it, they gain a peace and an understanding of themselves that they wouldn't have had beforehand or if an unexpected tragedy happens we lose our job or we lose our home or we lose someone we love it's not as if we didn't want those things to happen that we did want those things to happen we didn't we didn't want them to happen and it's not as if we wouldn't go back and change it if we could but having had those events we could interpret them as total tragedy with no redeeming features or we can begin to see them slightly differently and see the the things we've learnt that have come out of them, the peace that has come, a new understanding and new experiences that we wouldn't have had without that thing. It's a reinterpretation of the events that have already happened. Well, one of the things that we also know about this story that they don't know is that Jesus is with them. They don't have a clue, but we know because we're told. So the very thing that they hope for, that they now believe is hopeless, the very thing they hope for was present with them in the moment. It just opens up all kinds of possibilities, doesn't it? What if the very thing that we hope for, the thing we deeply hope for, sometimes to the point where we wouldn't even be able to tell of another person or even somehow to articulate it to ourselves, 
the thing that we deeply long for in our lives, the change that we wish for, the, the hope that we long for, what if it is already present with us? What, what if God is with us intimately? Remember that you may have heard the quote from a, it's an old uh, Alfred Lord Tennyson poem. The line is, closer is he than breathing and nearer than hands and feet. It's often used in prayers. It's that idea that God is so close to us and so intimately entwined with our lives that it's easy for us to not know that. But here Jesus was with them. He was present with them. The hope, the thing they hoped for was with them all along on the road. And we also know that they start to hope again. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road and opened the scriptures for us? That feeling of on fire, that sense of a, a, a sense of intuition, a sense that, hang on, something is shifting here, something is different here. It's something we need to pay attention to. We're, we've been taught in a rational world that we live in that intuition is something to be um, mistrusted, something to be ignored, something that isn't real. And yet we all experience it. We all have those moments when we suddenly are beginning to see something slightly differently and it, it, we, it, and it helps us rethink things. Now, we can ignore that and sometimes the rational life, uh, the rational thinking that we need to do is, is really important. But I wonder whether in our culture we've, <coughs> we've given so much attention to that that the idea of, of intuition, of dreams, of things manifesting themselves in our minds somehow gets downplayed. This came to me this this week actually, and it, and it, it's again a connection with Tennyson, not by um, design but by accident. I was listening to a series of songs that I had on my computer, and uh, while I was working, and the the beautiful Tennyson song "Crossing the Bar," uh, and a version by an Australian group called the Spooky Men's Chorale, who it's a very strange name, but the wonderful group of men singers, and um, you can find their music online if you if you have um, the ability to. Uh, "Crossing the Bar" is an old an old song that uh, Tennyson wrote and then was put to music, and it's a song uh, really about um, the longing that comes at the end of life. And uh, I was playing it and it just, as, as it came on, I didn't plan it, it just came on. It, it had a, such an impact on me. I found myself weeping. And, and I guess that was partly because of all the, the tragedy and missed opportunities that we're all experiencing at the moment. It was also a, a getting in touch with a deep sense of um, how short my my life is, uh, how short everyone's life is, and how important it is to um, focus on what's at, what's at hand. Now I could have ignored that and just said, well, I you know I had a bit of a cold this week, so I could I could ignore it. Uh, I could say, well, you know, it's uh, it's just my emotions uh, because it's a beautiful song sung beautifully. Or I could choose, as I have done, to take that within me and let that meditate within me and let that just be a, a thing that's real and see what it might mean for me and how I ought to be, how I might focus uh, some attention on the shortness of my life and 
what I need to do to make it worthwhile in this moment. Anyway, that's just a, a kind of an aside because I just happened to be, that song just happened to turn up. There's one more thing that we can say about the uh, the disciples in this moment is that they experience the presence of God in the breaking of bread. Now, no one who's been a Christian for any more than a few, uh, a short while would, would miss this allusion to what we call communion, what the Catholics call the mass. Um, it's this idea of the coming together and doing what Jesus said, the breaking of bread and the drinking of wine in togetherness uh, and remembering Jesus uh, and and from what we can understand this was the one of the very earliest practices of the Christian church when they got together of course it would be because it's about hospitality eating and drinking together uh, being in community together and it wasn't long it seems um, certainly at, at, by the middle of the second century it had become a ritualized meal uh, in the way that we understand it now and it would have been done differently of course and it, it still is in different parts of the Christian church but it had become a ritualized meal so when we get in this story that he stayed with them he broke bread with them in that moment they recognized him is the reminder that that's what we do when we meet together in communion is that we break the bread and we recognize who Jesus is and then of course who we are who God is in our lives and, and there's also the other thing is that Jesus had said earlier in his ministry that he would never share food again with his disciples until the coming of the kingdom and here he is now eating with these two which means that the kingdom had come. That means that the, the, the presence of God in, in this new way was here now and they were beginning to experience it. The rest of the reading, if we if we had had that with, given to us in the lectionary where they, they go back and they tell the other disciples their experience, that he broke bread with us and we knew who he was. And that's our opportunity at the moment. Now, we can't share communion together. It's one of the sadnesses of this whole time. and we, But we can, with people that we're with, uh, we can, even if we're living alone and in isolation, we can break bread knowing God is present with us. And it might seem strange because you're going to eat uh, not long after this. You've heard this anyway because that's what we need to do as human beings. But you could take a moment to ritualize that moment to instead of just eating as we normally do maybe watching the television reading a book chatting to to the people you're with do it in silence intentionally eat what's in front of you in great thankfulness knowing that you in some mystical way not only link with god uh, but with christians all over the world who are doing the same thing in different times and different places it's an interesting story, isn't it? It's really fascinating. Here they are, abandoned their hopes. But you can't abandon hope because hope comes with you. They, did, they, they walked away from everything they knew. It was all over, but it wasn't over. What they longed for, what they hoped for, the restoration of Israel, it might not be in the way that they imagined. In, indeed, it wasn't. And the restoration of you and me and our community of faith might not be when we get to the end of this whole coronavirus issue. 
might not be exactly the way it was. It might be something new and different. And it is our responsibility and it is our joy to be open to that and to be waiting for that and to be welcoming that. Because our hope can't be left behind. It comes with us. In the presence of God with us now and in the presence of God in bread and in wine. So be it.